Amen. Hey, turn with me in your Bibles to Daniel, Daniel chapter 3. Uh, we're talking about timeless testaments in our series uh, this year at Sanctuary. We're going to talk about the three Hebrew children this morning and going through the fiery furnace. And I'm going to title this message, uh, Walking Through Hell on Earth. Walking Through Hell on Earth. Uh, do you feel at any time, or maybe have you ever felt, that you are walking through uh, fiery circumstances through hell on earth for your faith. Uh, you know, rarely does the American Christian really ever uh, fight persecution to the degree that we hear in history or we see around the world. But every Christian, uh, if they're going to take a stand for Jesus Christ, if they take a stand against the ways of the world, uh, your and my faith is going to be tested. It's going to be put to the test. It's going to be put to the trial. Uh, and there's a lot of ways our faith can be tested. I think about today, around the world, last year Russia came out with the uh, proclamation that you could not witness to anyone except for on church property. You could be arrested and go to jail if you told somebody about Jesus in the street. In China, happening right now, they are shutting down churches at an alarming rate. Some of the biggest churches in China are being shut down right now. Uh, this is going on all around the world. In Africa, we've, we see all kinds of uh, persecution against the church, firebombing and, and stuff like that. Uh, in America, we see things uh, like if you're a Christian baker or you're, uh, have a, if you're a leader of a Christian organization, uh, oftentimes you can be sued in your business and your home even taken away from you uh, for standing up for your faith. I mean, you know, that's true. That's happening right now around the world. It's, it's even happening here. Uh, there are Christian ministries even going on right now in some of our leading universities, campus ministries like uh, I was, that's where I found Jesus and, and got, got called in the ministry. I was in a campus ministry. And there are campus ministries right now being singled out and targeted, being kicked off of campus, not able to meet in the public uh, areas of campus because of their faith and their stance for morality. That's in the courts right now. Uh, maybe that's not where you are, but I can tell you in my life, my faith has been tested. When I went to a secular university, the largest one in Missouri, uh, it was a secular, very liberal college. Uh, I had pastors, I mean, sorry, uh, principals and uh, professors that were teaching about the Bible from a secular perspective, telling us there was no miracles in the Bible. Jonah didn't get swallowed by a whale. That They didn't cross the Red Sea. It was the Reed Sea. There's all kinds of things, and they would come with facts. And, all, uh, and I remember working on that campus, working at the bookstore, and having atheists attack me for my faith on uh, evolution, on abortion, just every day it would be coming into that place. And, and even though they were friendly with me, it was just always criticizing me and, and bringing me down and trying to question my belief or get a, uh, trying to get a rise out of me and see what I would say. Uh, and just saying, I had one person, uh, when I said, that, you know, I believe that God created the heavens and the earth, and they just looked at me and they said, Really? I've never met anyone like you before. I mean, just this whole world's view that is different from mine. Uh, and, you know, the closest thing I've ever come to someone actually attacking me for my faith was when we went to a mission trip in Haiti, and our bus was going through one of the villages, and we were on this open-aired bus, and this dude, big, big uh, guy, comes out running out from one of the huts, and he has a machete in his hand. He starts chasing our, our, uh, our bus, uh, saying, get out of our country. We don't want your kind here. And so let me tell you, if you want to stand for Jesus Christ, you're going to face some obstacles. You're going to face some trials. And if, uh, if you read anything about Scripture, read anything about history, you're going to see that uh, we're going to go through times in, as, as Christians, as believers, that we may not be facing life or death choices, but we're for sure going to be facing choices about whether we're going to stand or not. You may be tested by a boss today who wants you to cut corners and, 
and lie and cheat and steal. Uh, you can be test, uh, tested today by peer pressure for family or friends on not to go to church. Some of you in this room today could have given into peer pressure and stayed home with a spouse or a family member. Uh, we may be tested in our dating relationships. Some of us may fight in the courts. Some of us may be tested uh, in other ways. Going through divorce may test you to give up on Christ. Maybe it's depression or sickness or disease that comes against you. All these strategies of the enemy to see if you'll bow down and give up and compromise your faith. We're going to talk about the story this morning about these three Hebrew children. So if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. And are we going to prove genuine through fiery trials? And will we endure to the end? Or will we bow out? Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they are taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And you heard this story on the video this morning, but let me just kind of sum it up to where we are. These guys are part of one of the first wave of exiles. They go uh, into exile in the country of Babylon in the north. And they're taken there, and despite indoctrination, where they change the name, try to change their diet, these four young men uh, have withstood the test, and they have fasted for three years, eating only water and vegetables. And God has rewarded them for their faith and anointed them with tons of spiritual gifts. And because of these spiritual gifts, even in the midst of Babylon, God has exalted them to high positions, high-ranking officers in the kingdom. And one day, Daniel, he interprets a dream for the king. And in that dream, the king sees this statue of different metals and, and uh, artifacts of the way it was made. And God reveals this statue crumbles uh, before him. And it's a terrorizing dream. And ultimately, Daniel interprets it and he says this, basically, There is coming a kingdom of God, an eternal righteous kingdom, that is going to one day destroy the kingdom of, of man. And that kingdom, we know, would become the church of Jesus Christ. And so Daniel prophesies that, and, and the king again anoints them and exalts them even higher. And Daniel is promoted to an overseer of the country and over the wise men. And uh, these young men now are called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they become administrators in the king's court. And one day, this king has forgotten what God said would happen, that God's kingdom is the greatest and because of that dream, no doubt, he, uh, he builds this image. It may be an image of his God or of himself, but this image is 60 cubits tall by 6 cubits wide. Remember that, 60 by 6, or 90 feet tall by 9 foot wide, and this gold, gold overlaid statue. And he commands people on that day. A herald comes out, and he has a, he has, uh, the herald is saying, hey, when the music sounds, Everyone, now everyone came, all eight levels of government, every person in government from around the world came to the dedication of this statue, this ceremony. And they said, when everyone, bow, when the music sounds, everybody bow down and pledge your allegiance to Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. Pledge your allegiance to him. And so whoever does not worship, chapter 3, verse 6, whoever does not worship would be immediately cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And it was probably like this, uh, uh, you've seen one of those antique milk jugs, uh, glass bottles, uh, where there's uh, the a smaller hole at the top, and the bottom would be like a, a larger basin. There'd be a door there, and they'd stoke it and make metals, and uh, make uh, smelt metals, basically. And, and so it was very, very, very hot. And they said, hey, if you don't do this, we're going to throw you in, in there, and you're going to die. And that was a pretty popular way of, of killing people back then who were labeled as terrorists or people who came against the, the kingdom. 
But I want you to think about this story this morning because so very much applies back then, but also applies uh, to us today. Uh, Here they find that this king has exalted himself up against God. He is basically daring God to take him down. And they find that they are in man's kingdom, just as his ancestors did in the Tower of Babel. So Babel uh, came first in Babylon. And the word uh, Babel means the gateway of God. Man had been setting himself up to say, we are gods on earth. There is no God. It's the, it's the atheist mentality that we have set up ourselves like God. The Tower of Babel, they, remember if you, uh, if you look in the Bible or if you went to Sunday school, look back and remember that children's story. They built that tower to see if we can get to heaven and be like God and say, say we are the access point to life. We are the access point to health. We are the access point to vitality. If you want a happy marriage, look to what we say. If you want a happy life, look to what we say. If you want prosperity, do what we are doing. If you want power, look to us. And they set themselves up as God. And here's what Nebuchadnezzar is doing again. And he united all levels of government. It was military, finance, it was religious leaders, and they began to pledge allegiance to man's kingdom. You know, there is no difference in that happening today. Around the world, man has set himself up as God. There's a huge movement of atheism uh, today that's never existed before in the history of the world that man would say there is no God but us. You know that? That's happening. That's been happening uh, uh, since the, the enlightened age. Uh, and if you study the Industrial Revolution and all that, man, we begin to just say, hey, we are God. We are setting ourselves up as God. We're building. We're making. And man has come on uh, this place. He's worshiping his own power. He's uh, worshiping his own rule of law. He worships his own money. Uh, man today is worshiping sex and body image. He's commanding uh, all of this stuff. Look at the Internet. Man, this has been, no more have we seen the worship of man more than the internet age, the selfie culture, worshiping self. We're all about image and changing our appearance. It's about clothes and fashion and uh, plastic surgery and uh, what, I, what tuna sandwich I had for breakfast or, you know, lunch or whatever. I mean, it's all about us and us and us and me. And man has done the same thing he's always done is that man's kingdom is setting up, hey, we are the gateway to awesomeness. We are the gateway to being fulfilled in life. And so this man kingdom gets established and he basically says, hey, you need to turn or you're going to burn. You can worship any God you wish, Nebuchadnezzar would say, but you must also worship the king's image. You can worship however you wish, but you've got to go along with the flow. You can do whatever you want to do, but you've got to be united with us. And there's a, a very popular saying today that irks me, even though I understand the good meaning of it. It says, united we stand, divided we fall, right? Man has twisted that meaning of that to say, it is us, united with us. Together, we can accomplish great things. Apart, we will fall. But together, if man will just bind together, we can exalt ourselves. That's what that means, by the way. If united together, divided we fall. Man has been saying that since the Tower of Babel. He said it at Nebuchadnezzar's statue. He said it in Rome, and he's still saying it today. That if we would just come together, there's nothing we can't accomplish. And a Christian would say, yes, without God. There's nothing we can accomplish. Uh, and man is saying, we can rewrite history. We can rewrite good and evil. Today, man's kingdom saying we can rewrite the definition of marriage. We can define what is permissible and excusable. We can rewrite family. We can rewrite gender roles. We can redefine sex and love. We can make, a, make this society any way we want it to be. Do you not see that today on the news and everywhere around you? 
We can remake society look like what we define it to be. That's what man has been doing. And it happened way back in Genesis, and it's still happening today. It says we're building a utopia of man's perfect ideals. Here's what they're saying today. They say everyone is welcome at the table. That is, everyone who will bow down. If you just go along with the flow, Christian, it'll all be cool. Everyone who believes what we believe, uh, you can believe whatever you want, but we all must agree on these things. Do you see that happening today? You can believe whatever you want to believe. Yeah, you can do your Jesus thing, but just don't make any waves. You can do whatever you want to do. Just make sure you're bowing down to the system of man's perfect utopia where everyone can get along and everyone can be equal and everybody can have this perfect place where everybody can be who you want to be. But if you stand up, you're going to stand out. And that's what they're wanting. You see, non-compliance was the crime for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't agree with the system. They, they made waves. Where they didn't like it. And there's this big circus going on, and Satan is this ringleader. And from Babylon to Rome today, Satan has been working to unite the world's government, his military, his economy, and religions into this thing called the New Babylon and Revelation. The Bible tells us that Satan has been doing the same thing. We should get wise to this church. The same thing that happened in Genesis and Babel, same thing that happened in Babylon, the same thing that happened in Rome is happening in America today. Satan has always been trying to unite men without God. He's wanting to bring, and it's always working, uh, to bring military and religious and economy together. And in this new world age, he says there's going to be no room for God's truth. It's only going to be counterfeit. And Satan has been saying, I want man to worship self. If I can just get people to worship themselves and not God, it'll all happen. The very thing, the very people who God made in his image to worship him, if I can just get them to worship themselves, they'll fall flat on their face. If I can just get behind the the arena of the world stage, if I can get in the congresses and the courts, if I can get in the church houses, if I can get the church, if I can get everybody distracted with the worship of self, I'm going to make a mockery of them before God. God made them in his image. He wants them to worship him. He wants them to be higher than the angels. But guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to get them to worship themselves. And I'm going to spit in his face in while doing it. You see, there's, there's, this is not just a man thing. Satan has been behind this from the very beginning. In the world today, if we don't wake up, church, in this selfie generation, Jesus says there's coming a day in Matthew 14 when another image that, like Daniel spoke of about Nebuchadnezzar, he said there's going to be another image standing in the holy place. And it will usher in the greatest tribulation the world has ever seen. And on that day, there's going to be a new herald. It's going to be a false prophet. He's going to say, hey, worship the image of this Antichrist or you're going to be killed. And it says that every nation will bow down in blindness and ignorance to the truth of what really is going on. There are some people in this room, the church of Jesus Christ, we are the ones that have the truth, the light of the gospel. And the whole world, just like it did on that day with Nebuchadnezzar, is bowing down in ignorance, not understanding what Satan is trying to do in this world, is to get you to worship yourself. So the whole world begins to bow down, just like I believe it's bowing down today. But there was a few people who began to stand up. Look at them. Look in uh, Daniel chapter 3, verse 15. It says there were some Chaldeans, these elitists, these Chaldean, uh, before Babylon was taken over, uh, it was the Chaldees or the Chaldeans. And so that, they're basically ancient elitists of the Babylonian era. So these elitist people accused the Jews. 
They come to Nebuchadnezzar and say, hey, there's certain Jews you've appointed in some administration areas in your, in your cabinet. Mainly, I don't want to give any names, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Medigo, you know, just so you can look at it, right? I'm, and they've disregarded you. They don't serve your gods. They don't worship the golden image you've set up. And so he, in a rage, he orders them to come in. He says, is it true? And before they could even answer, look at them, verse 15. He says, now, if you're ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the music, Fall down and worship the image I have made. Who made it? I have made it. Very well. But if you do not worship, you will be immediately cast in the furnace of blazing fire. And get this. What God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? There is no God. I'm God. What God is there? There isn't a God who can deliver you. What could anything take you out of my hands? Because I'm all powerful. I'm all supreme. Who, what God is there? And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of the blazing fire, and he will, get that, he will deliver us out of your hand. He's able to kick us from the fire. He may let us go. We may die in the fire, but either way, we're going to be delivered out of your hand. And he says, but even if he does not, Even if he does not save us from the fire, let it be known to you, O king, we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Those boys, these are teenagers, by the way. These boys are bold now. I mean, can you imagine? This is the entire world, the king of the world. This is like a universal world power. And every person across the world, every government official, every religious official, every treasure official, all the military powers are bowing down. And there are these three little boys standing up. And they say, hey, dude, there is a God. And he is able, and he will deliver us from your hand. But even if we have to go through the furnace, I'm not bowing down to you. Now, look at this. They were set apart. And what the enemy's strategy was is simply this, and what he's doing still today. If you bow down, we'll see who's left standing up. We're looking for a people in the world who's going to cave in to society's desires We're looking for people in the world who are going to go against the status quo of today. And if we would make it to where everyone would compromise and work collaterally, then we'll see and find out those rebels who aren't like us. Let's find every person. Oh, yeah, diversity. Oh, yeah, tolerance. But let's find every person who's not like us who stands out. They've been doing it. Church, if you watch the news, if you're watching anything lately, they've been doing it since the beginning of time. The devil's strategies have not changed. And so they were set apart. Their loyalty, was, uh, their loyalty to God was seen as disloyalty to man. The question has always been uh, here recently. It's like, what do they care if I'm a Christian and worship God? Why does that offend you? It has been offending man since the very beginning of time because man only seeks to worship himself. What God is there that could take you out of our hands? So when everyone bowed down, they wanted to see who was standing up. You know, I had a, a kind of a dream uh, a few weeks ago. I told Pastor Christian about it. And it was as if in this world today, and I really mean this for our youth and our students here today, is that if, how many people have ever been tubing or river rafting or canoeing, something like that, right? Well, we used to go every year at my house, and uh, you would be tubing uh, down this river, 
And if you ever wanted to stop, everybody's going with the flow. You know, we're just all together. All of our tubes are together. Our canoes are together. You're just kind of going through the river at the pace of the water and there. But whenever you want to stop, what do you do? In a tube, you get out and you put your feet down. And then you stand up and you stop. Everybody else keeps going. And it's as if in the world today, everyone is just going with the flow. And only those who stand up are the ones who are stopping and that waves begin to crash against you. You know, sometimes that water is pushing and you stand up out of that tube and it wants to keep pushing you forward. But you put your feet in and you dig your feet into the sand. You say, no, I'm not going any further. I want to stop right here. God is looking for some people today who would say, I'm not just going to go with the flow. I'm going to put my feet down and stand up for something because there is a God whom I serve. And I don't care if you don't know him or not, but I do know him. And he's the one I answer to. In Revelation 18, he says to the church in the last days, he says, church, come out of her. Babylon, come out of her so that you will not participate in her wickedness. Everyone goes with the flow until you put your feet down. We're looking at each other going with the flow. It's like, oh, I like your swimsuit. Oh, that's a nice hat. We're all comparing ourselves to one another. We're talking. We're enjoying life. Life just keeps going. It's taking you somewhere, though. And you don't know where you're going and where you're going to end up unless you put your feet down and say, God, this is, I'm making a stand. So they were set apart, and then they began to get accused. Accused. Now, they stood up and they were singled out. And despite all their faith, man, they've been serving the king for years. They've been good guys. They're paying their taxes. They're moral. There's nobody that hates these guys, but yet they're perceived as troublemakers. Christian, you may be the best coworker, employee, son, daughter, best student, but just because you stand for Jesus, be ready to be labeled a troublemaker. Actually, that's the very crime that Jesus was crucified on the cross for. They said he's a rebel against Caesar. He's a rebel against authority. He never offended anybody uh, uh, in the ways that you would think. But yet, because he stood against the status quo of the day, because he stood up for something in God's kingdom, they labeled him a troublemaker. And so here are these guys, and so these elitists, these people began to root out. And what they were doing was trying to root out every person of faith from every top position in their government. There was plenty of Jews that probably didn't bow down that day. Daniel is one of them. No doubt he was on a trip or something like that. There was people in the audience and the congregation that may or may not have bowed down. But what they were doing is targeting. Here are some faithful Christian or God-fearing Jewish men who are in top positions. Let's single them out and take them down. We don't want anybody who is going to make a wave for what we're trying to do. And literally it says, if you look in the, in the Hebrew of that verse, it says... Literally, they accused them, but it says that they uh, wanted to rend the flesh or eat the limbs of their bodies. That's how vile what they were doing. They were attacking. They were in a seek and destroy mission to just rip these guys apart. They'd never done anything wrong to them. And you see the world doing the same thing today. They're rooting out Christians of every top position. Now accusation is the same thing as guilt. And the Bible says, but just like them... And just like us today and just like Jesus, Jesus was a silent before his accusers. They didn't even defend themselves. They said, we don't even have to talk to you about this matter. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, there's going to be coming a day, church, where they're going to hand you over. But don't worry what you just say, for it's going to be given to you in that hour what you're to say. The Holy Spirit is going to speak into you. And even though brothers are betraying brothers and fathers are betraying children and children is going to rise up against parents and people are going to be put to death. He says, you're going to be hated by all people because of my name, but it's those who endure to the end 
who will be saved. So here's these guys set apart, rooted out and accused falsely as rebels, as people who don't go with the flow. They've stood up for their righteousness. And so now they get bound. They get bound. They were quickly bound. There's no trial. There's no jury. There's no defense. Just like Jesus, it was this mock court. There was no argument. There's no lawyers. There's no defense. There's no television record. It doesn't matter because you were accused. You're guilty of being a Christian. They bound them up. I think today Satan's doing the same thing in the church. And, and in any sense, it's that we want to be bound up by depression. We want to be bound up by uh, drugs. We want to be bound up by problems in our marriages. He wants to bind the church up and say, oh, you don't need to go out. You don't need to go witness. Uh, we don't, we are, he's binding us up with lethargy and apathy. He's binding us up and saying, hey, get concerned about hobbies and vacations and get concerned about all these things. And he's restricting us from doing what we've been called to do. Many of us uh, losing our identity uh, and not having a purpose and feel like, man, I, 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 I can't do that what you know, the pastors do or those evangelists do. I can't talk to my neighbor across the street. And we feel like these limits. They tell us, hey, you can't read your Bible in school, baloney. They tell you you can't pray in school, baloney. They tell you all these things you can't do in trying to bind the church from doing what it's called to do. But God is looking for some people. He'll say, guess what? I serve a God that is above all gods, a king that is above every king. And he say, they say, guess what? I don't care if you fear and you put shame and you put slander. Nothing is going to prohibit me from doing what God has called me to do. He says, live or die was their resolve. They didn't fall to peer pressure. They didn't fear. They, 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 and the question is, who's going to save you out of this? But they say, there is a God who exists, and he's able to deliver us from your hand. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow. Job said it this way, and he says, though God slay me, I will still trust in him. Do we have such grit in the American church that we would say, God... I don't care what opposition comes my way. I don't care what slander. I don't care what laws, what rules of man's kingdom what tries to bind us, what falsely accuses us. God, I'm not going to back down from being who you've called me to be and doing what you've called me to do. For this reason, they went through hell on earth, literally. Because standing up for Christ is going to cost you something. We say, Pastor, it's not really going on right now. You better wait. Just wait. It may not happen in your, your little nice Christian bubble of Gina, Louisiana, but you leave this little area right here, you go anywhere else in America, you will be accosted for being Christian. And we can think we're all safe and secure. That doesn't really involve me. I'm not being persecuted. But you better be ready and have some grit in you to say, God, I'm, I don't care if my friends disown me. I don't care. I mean, young person, listen to me. When you say no to having sex before marriage, you may lose that date. Young person, you may lose a friend because you're not going to go to that drunken party. Adult, you may lose your job for saying, I'm not going to lie and cheat at my office. We want you to sell this and try to peddle that. We want you to cut some corners. You may lose your job for standing up for moral, righteous principles. You may have family that disowns you when you turn to church and go all into Jesus. How come you don't come over anymore? How come you don't drink with us anymore? How come you don't hang out with us anymore? They may be disowning you for how your new attitude is. They're going to cut you down, slander you on Facebook. They're going to come against you. It may not be life and death in the streets yet. But you better make a resolve that if you can't say no to drugs and sex and a slander on Facebook now, how will you stand up in the street when it comes life or death? Church, this is practice ground 
This is, it, this is not something new. This has been happening since the very beginning. And, and we have to get to a place in all of our lives and begin to teach our children that Satan is turning up the heat of fiery trials. He is falsely accusing. He's binding. He's trying to destroy the church. And he wants to single you out and take you down. Men, he wants to take you out so he can take your whole family out. Mom, he wants to take you down so he can take your children down. He wants to bind you up, get you so uh, worked up over things in this world, get you so worked up on the, in the things of this life. But Peter tells us, hey, we should expect fiery trials in this life. You should expect it. I don't care if it's people mocking you, your reputation. There are people today in America who have lost their homes from lawsuits for standing up for Christ. I think about the apostles in Acts 5.29. When they are told them, don't you dare speak about Jesus. They whipped them, they flogged them, don't you dare speak about Jesus. And we know what their response was? Their response to God wasn't, God, please make it more easy on us. God, help us have a better time. Lord, let more people like us. Lord, help me get along in my workplace. They didn't pray all that. You know what they said? They said, we must obey God rather than men. And then they go to a prayer meeting, and they pray, and they say, Lord, You've heard their threats. This is before that. Lord, you've heard their threats. You've heard all their accusations. you heard their slanders. Lord, you have to do what only you can do. But God, help us do what we can do. God, give us boldness. And the, the Bible says the house was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and went out and preached the word of God more boldly than they had before. Because they didn't ask for, Lord, give me a little pity party. Lord, oh, woe is me that people don't like me, that I'm being accused. And he says, blessed are they when you are persecuted for my name's sake. That, that's what he's saying. You're blessed that, that when you stand up for me, you're going to stand out. Or are we going to compromise and comply and go with the flow? He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. So here they guys are, and they, everyone bows down. They stand up for Jesus, and then they have to walk through something. The king dares God, and Daniel 3, 24, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded. Man, he, I mean, who, no one's ever stood up to me before. No one's ever done anything like this before. Everybody should just go along with the flow. Everybody should just bow down, and we'd have a good day. But no, these guys, gotta, they got to make waves. they gotta, they got to do this. So he says this high official, he says, uh, They throw them in the fire, they bind them, they throw them in, and uh, even the guards die as they throw them in. Their coat, their hats, everything is on them because it's so quick. They didn't even have time to put them in prison clothes. They bind them. They throw them in the fire, cast them in. Nebuchadnezzar, he looks then in that moment, and he says, wait, 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 wait. It's seven times hotter. He says, wasn't it three men that we bound in the midst of the fire? And they replied to the king, yeah, king, certainly. He says, but look. I see four men, and they're loose, and they're walking about in the midst of the fire without harm, and the appearance of the fourth man is like a son of the gods. So Nebuchadnezzar comes near to the door of the furnace of the blazing fire, responding, he said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. So they come out of the fire, all of those who had bowed down, all the officials of the government saw they had no uh, mark of them. The hair on their head hasn't been singed, they even smell like smoke. And there's these two dead guards over there, they just walk, no doubt, walking over the bodies of the two dead guards that had just been killed by the flames exploding. And they come out and Nebuchadnezzar begins to praise the Lord. 
And he says, there's not going to be any, nobody better talk bad about this, this God of theirs because there's no God who can deliver like this God can. Praise the Lord. And then he promotes them to another level of, the, of, the, of their hierarchy. You see, they were untouchable. Even though it looked like their circumstances, that everything was going against them, they were accused, they were bound, they were thrown in, but yet they were still untouchable. You know when God's got you, ain't nobody can touch you? doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. But here's the cool thing. This was as close to hell as these young men were ever going to get. You may walk through circumstances that are really, really bad. They may be burning up other people, but when you walk through them, it's going to be as close to, if you're a Christian, you love Jesus, you repented of your sins, there's no more hell than this place right here on this earth. This is as close to hell, church, as you're ever going to get if you're walking with Jesus. You should take glory in that. Amen. He says, uh, they went in bound and they came out loose. Think about it. They went through the fiery trials bound up by the devil, but they came out free in the flames. Free in the, You may be going through something today. It may be, the Bible says that for Joseph, when he was thrown in the pit, he says to his brother, he says, this is something the devil meant for evil, but God meant it for good. You may go through something today where people are accusing you, slandering you, talk bad about you. You may lose relationships. You may lose money. You may lose uh, fame and riches. You may lose anything. You may lose everything like Job. But the Bible says that you, if you're walking with God, you don't have to be bound in the flame. It says not even a hair on their head. Their clothes were burned. Luke 24, verse 17 says, You will be hated by all because of my name. Yet this, this is what Jesus says, Yet not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. These guys are walking around free in the flame. How do you walk free in the midst of a flame? You know, today the devil, he is wanting to bind you and break you any way he can. He can throw disease in your way. He can throw marital problems in your way. He can throw accusations and false accusations. He can throw all kinds of things your way. Why? Because he wants to bind you and break you. He wants to get you to bow down to the things of this world. But the Bible says that God has this peace that passes all understanding, that even in the hottest trials, I can go through them with the presence of God, and I don't have to be bound up anymore. I can walk around free. They are more free in the flame than they were standing outside of it. Are you with me? Do you understand me this morning? You don't have to go through trials and circumstances like everybody else. God can take you where the strongest of men cannot go. The most valiant warriors in the kingdom died in those same flames. But God can take you where the strongest people cannot dare walk. Listen to me this morning. You can go through things in this world that would kill somebody else. They would take their life. They would give up on hope. They would turn everything in and they would bow down and bow out. But when you're walking with Jesus, you can go places that no other man in this world can walk through. Are you hearing me this morning? God has a way that when the devil wants to bind you and break you, you can come out with not a single scar. But here's the problem. Sometimes, as believers, we go through things that are really hard and really hot and really heavy, and, it, and we come out and we come out with all kinds of scars. Man, so-and-so attacked me, so-and-so hurt me, and you're going to carry that knife in you for the rest of your life. 
So-and-so said stuff about me on Facebook and social media. So-and-so talked about my kids. Man, that boss fired me for no reason. I know why they fired. And we begin to carry that baggage. We begin to get weighted down. And we are come out of that fire. Sure, we're surviving. We're alive. But we're more bound up than when we went in. Man, the devil wants to do that to you. He wants to put you some through the hottest fires because he knows, man, if I put them through that, maybe I may not take their life, but they're going to live like they wish they were dead. The devil wants to see you bound and broken and bruised. But these guys were untouched by the trial they walked through. How do you, how do you walk through life's trials when everything goes against you and doesn't go your way and come out more free than when you went in? Does make any sense? How do you walk through the fire? Only those who walk through the flames in faith. 1 Peter 1, verse 6 says, We suffer through all kinds of trials so that our faith, get this, remember the statue is made of gold. He says that we walk through all kinds of trials so that our faith, which is greater than gold, may be refined by fire and prove genuine. They had something more valuable than this statue of man. They had something, this faith in a God who is the God, who is the same God yesterday, today, and forever, Jehovah. He's our provider. He's our protector. He's our healer. And they said, but our faith in him is what takes us through this flame. And that, that faith is greater than any gold. That, that holding on to Jesus is greater than anything in this world. Whatever temptation may come to bow down to, I'm holding on to this faith. And as I go through the flames, I know thou art with me. And as I go through this process, I know that my faith, which is greater than gold, is going to be shining when I come out. That it was their faith in God who was with them. If we walk by faith, the flames will not touch us. Think about the verse in Isaiah 43. It says, fear not. I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters... I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers, they'll not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God. Better hold, some of us need to better, better hold on to that verse today. Because you're not supposed to be more bound up when you went in the flame. You're supposed to come out shining like the golden, the golden faith which you have. So God can take you places the strongest men cannot go. They begin to look at that place and that, that, that fire, and they saw a fourth man in the flame. We know that today probably to be Jesus Christ himself. He manifested in the flesh in that moment that God sent, uh, Lord, his, his, very, his very self. He sent his son in that moment to walk with them through the flame. We never go through these things alone, church. You may think you're entering into this. Where's God? How's God? I don't see God. I don't sense God. Where is God in this process? God, I'm bound up. God, I'm being accused. God, I'm being destroyed. I've got nothing left. Nobody, everything is going wrong in my life. And you say, well, where is God? He is right there in the middle of the flame. Here's the cool part of this moment. Here's this one king on one side setting himself up as the greatest, asking him to bow down. And here's this other king who is the greatest king of kings, comes down and bears witness to them, leads them through, unbinds their chains, 
makes them smell better than they went in for the first time, right? Uh, nothing's even touched on their head. And the Bible says that even though the whole world ne- neglected that king, there is coming a day, and just like Nebuchadnezzar saw him on that day, there is coming a day, the Bible says, where every eye will see him. They'll see him. They may not saw him that moment, but they will see him. Every eye will see him. And it says that every knee will bow. They were confessing Nebuchadnezzar that day, but there's coming a day where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess who the real king, and that's King Jesus is. And you can go through things in this life that nobody else can go through, but Peter tells us there's going to be a time, even if you have to suffer for a little while, the God of all grace who's called you into this eternal glory in Christ, he will himself perfect you, confirm you, strengthen you, you and establish you. God is in the promoting business. And as you begin to go through the things of this world, what the enemy meant for evil, God has meant for good. And if you will hold on to your faith, that is more precious than gold and know that God is with me in the midst of the fire. And I'm going to come out more free than when I went in. And if I just hold on to Jesus, I'm going to see myself promoted and be with him. Somebody say amen. Amen. Where are you at today? Are we standing up and walking through Satan's hell on earth with Jesus Christ? I love what Warren Wiersbe said. I'm asking Warren to come. He says this. He says, It is far better to go through a furnace of fire than to live in a lake of fire for all eternity. It's far better to go through the earthly fire with Jesus than to bow down and go through a lake of fire for all eternity. You see, church, they want you to bow down and comply. They want you to conform. The world, Satan, he's behind everything you see going on in the world today. He wants you to bow down and comply, to bow down and conform. And if you won't do that, he wants to bind you and break you and bruise you. He wants to accuse you and slander you. He wants to make you want to give up. He's going to give you the choice. Hey, if you don't, I want you, if you just give in to this depression, if you just give in to that, that boyfriend or girlfriend, if you just give in and to just be a nominal Christian, don't stand up, don't stand out, don't be radical, don't go all in for Jesus, don't go for God like those radical, crazy people over there. Just go with the flow. And if you can't do that, he's going to put you through the hottest trials you've ever seen. But those who walk by faith with Jesus, man, it, don't, it just gets better. It just gets better. Where are you at today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. God wants to, some of you guys have been going through some horrible stuff. Some of us need to take a stand and say, God, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not giving in anymore. Maybe there's been habitual sin in your life you've got to stand up to. That's the devil wanting to bind you, make you like you don't want to stand up, make you feel worthless. Some of you guys, maybe you have had to give up family and friends and relationships, and maybe that's really tore you up. Some of you, too, are going through some of the hottest trials you've ever been through, the most fiery trials. You're warring in your mind. You're warring in your spirit. Man, the devil's trying to take you down and take you out. Church, we're standing up for Jesus and say, Devil, you're not going to break me. You're not going to bind me. You're not going to make me bow. I have a God that is above all gods, a king who's above all kings. And, Devil, I'm going to walk free in these flames. I'm going to get let loose in the midst of my chains and say, God, I hold on to King Jesus. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. Come on, church. Let's just begin to pray in this place all around. There are people across the aisle from you who need an encouragement.